Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, and however you're listening, either on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, however you're taking in the show, in all of the shows here on the GBB Podcast Network, it is much appreciated. Three and D, core four, starting five. I'm the only one without a number, but that's okay. I'm also the oldest one, and age is nothing but a number. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can't tell, I'm excited. The season has arrived and grizzlybearblues.com has everything you need to get ready for the start of a pretty interesting campaign for your Memphis Grizzlies. Joining me on this episode, first and foremost, is my co-host, the associate editor, or one of the associate editors, I should specify for this particular episode, one of the associate editors of grizzlybearblues.com. He's our live in-person game day coverage. He's going to be in FedEx Forum most nights. When the Grizzlies are playing at home, including opening night against the San Antonio Spurs, Mr. Parker Fleming, how excited are you? I know it's an empty arena. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's hard to be excited about much uh, as the holidays, a holiday season unlike any other, comes to its conclusion over the next week or so. Uh, but an NBA season unlike any other at least has some semblance of normalcy, doesn't it? The fact that it's beginning, even though it's starting in a weird circumstance. Sure, yeah. Obviously, I'm excited for the NBA season. But I think the weirdest thing is, it's not going to be like, watching it on TV will be all fine. But just being in the arena, covering the game, like when there's no fans there, that's what's going to be weird. And I mean, I'm excited for it, don't get me wrong. But it, it's not the same. But hey, nothing's really the same in 2020. Crowd noise, the environment in the form. I haven't been in FedEx Forum in years uh, for a game, but the the way that I remember it, the energy among the people, you watch the warm-ups, the unique Memphis-specific music that is played during warm-ups, it's all just such a different vibe, and it has to be very different uh, doing it there in person. So I, I'm interested to see how that plays out, and obviously, Parker, I'm excited to have you with me. And joining us this week, is the other associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. He also will be covering games for us over at FedEx Forum from time to time. He's Mr. Hustle himself. You might have noticed uh, his wonderful article explaining all those Exhibit 10 contracts that were signed over the last few days or the last week or so by the Grizzlies, apparently building up to an eventual G League bubble run for the Memphis Hustle. I don't know why they would do all these signings if that wasn't part of the plan, but he is another wonderful help to me. Uh, essentially, the three kings of GBB are joining you guys 
on this podcast as we welcome Brandon Abraham to the show. Brandon, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, Joe, I'm just living the dream the best I can in 2020. The best you can in 2020. That's pretty much all we can ask for, right? So um, thanks to all of you for listening. You can follow the show at GBB Live. You can follow our podcast network, uh, starting 5, 3, and D, Core 4. There's all sorts of different Twitter accounts uh, that you can use for those. You can follow our blog, SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, at SBN Grizzlies. Follow Parker at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow Brandon at BC Abraham, and you can follow me if you want at Joe Mullinax. And the the plan for today's show is, you know, everybody does season previews, right? And and I wrote my season preview for the site, and I tried to be a little bit different because they all can have similar tones, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That says that everybody's kind of in lockstep with what they see the Grizzlies being. And the same can be said of national writers like Zach Lowe on ESPN and local writers like the great Chris Harrington over at the Daily Memphian. The idea that progress isn't linear for this Grizzlies group, right? Uh, Over at GBB, we have a larger staff. We're more able to take deeper dives in terms of specific questions. So on this season preview episode, we are going to tackle the six questions from our roundtable preview that we did. Parker participated in that round table but he only answered the odd number questions so parker's going to take the evens here brandon who was unable to be in the round table initially is going to be asked to answer the odd numbered questions i've answered all of these already over at grizzlybearblues.com but i'll give a brief summary of my responses and then at the end we're going to talk about zach Kleiman's media availability on tuesday before opening night against the Spurs, talking about the idea of the North Star being championship contention. And that was kind of the driving force behind my season preview, like I said, which I tried to be a little bit unique in, uh, losing ground to gain ground with the Grizzlies in Memphis. Check it out over at GBB. So let's jump right in here uh, because there's no better time than the present when you're talking about uh, opening night with these Memphis Grizzlies. So, Brandon, I'll get started with you here. And – I'm really curious as to your answer on this one, because when I came up to these questions or with these questions, this was one that I struggled with because I just don't see it happening. And maybe I'm just being too overly negative. But Brandon, finish this sentence. The Memphis Grizzlies will be an outright playoff team. So they're not in the plan at all. No seven seed, eight seed, nine seed, 10 seed. They are a one through six seed in the Western Conference. If what? Oh, okay. Yeah, that is a uh, big one to start us off with. Um, I'd have to say they will be an outright playoff team if they are healthy and lucky. So Jaron and Justice come back healthy, you know, no one, you know, major part of the core gets sick or picks up an injury, and you got to get lucky as well. Um, Obviously, I don't wish injury or illness upon anybody, but they need a handful of teams ahead of them in the standings, you know, especially in the projected standings to uh, kind of, you know, maybe have some issues where star players out a little bit for one reason or the other. Cause you know, even if John Morant takes another, you know, ginormous leap, I just don't see, you know, the Grizzlies just outright earning a playoff spot, you know, just the Western conference is too stacked. Um, so I think they really got to get lucky and they definitely got to be healthy. Because you got the Lakers, you've got the Clippers, you've got the Nuggets, you've got 
the Portland Trailblazers, who Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer apparently hated on for some reason. I don't understand that at all. Portland looks pretty good to me. Uh, the Phoenix Suns got better. You've got the Utah Jazz, who figure to still be in the mix. Golden State, although they were outclassed by Brooklyn on opening night on Tuesday, Golden State still has Steph Curry. They're going to get Draymond Green back eventually. I think Golden State's going to be better. There are so many teams that are going to be in that hunt for the postseason that it's just really hard to see that one through six happening unless there are issues with COVID. God forbid, we're certainly not wishing that on anybody. Obviously, the Grizzlies are just as susceptible as anyone, so you don't want to to even put that out there in the universe necessarily. But uh, luck, in air quotes, because there's not really a better way to describe it, random chance maybe, uh, that's definitely what's necessary. It makes me think of the Western Conference Finals run, right? Because that Grizzlies team, you could argue that Western Conference Finals team wasn't even the best Grizzlies team of the grit and grind era. And we have argued that at grizzlybearblues.com. But they were the one that had the most opportunity because of the injury to Russell Westbrook, because of the opportunities that presented themselves as they advanced in the playoffs. So that would those kinds of things, and then even more, like you said, John Morant, we're hoping he takes a leap, but it'd be, have to be an even larger leap to get to the point where they would be in that contention. And then someone else would have to take that kind of a leap, like a Dylan Brooks, who I know we'll talk about here later on in the show. But I'm with you on that, Brandon. All right, Parker, number two. Now you finish this sentence. You've already answered number one mm-hmm. in roundtable part one. I want you to answer number two uh, that the, that went up today over at Grizzly Bear Blues. The Memphis Grizzlies will miss the playoffs entirely. So that means they won't be in the play-in at all. They will be an 11 through 15 seed if what? I mean, obviously health is going to be the number one answer here, especially considering that they're starting the season without Justice Winslow and Jared Jackson Jr. So I'll take a little bit of a different spin here. I think it will be they could finish 11 through 15 if the West is as advertised. Because if you're looking at the standings from last season, the only team that should really fall back that were that was ahead of Memphis is the Oklahoma City Thunder since they traded away or let three starters walk plus a sixth man in the year finalist and Dennis Schroeder. But, I mean, Phoenix was behind Memphis, and they're surely going to be better with Chris Paul. Arguably, I think they're going to be better than OKC was last year given the talent that Phoenix already has in place as well as uh, how good of a coach Monty Williams is. And also, too, if the New Orleans Pelicans are as advertised, I know we hate to say it, but, I mean, you're irresponsibly thinking and analyzing the game of basketball if you don't think the New Orleans Pelicans could be a good basketball team this year. I mean, even though they traded away Drew Holiday, they still have Brandon Ingram. They still have Zion Williamson, who is a monster when he's healthy. They added some reinforcement with Steven Adams. They still got one of the best shooters on the planet in J.J. Redick. And who knows, maybe like a Alonzo Ball or a Josh Hart breakout or Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So if the teams are just as advertised, I mean, it's very possible the Grizzlies could be the 11th seed. And it brings to that uh, that theme that you've stated probably since March is that Memphis could technically be better and look better than they did last season, but finish worse in the standings. And that's just a testament. I'm not even going to say a testament to the Western Conference. I think this is probably the best the, the league has been in terms of the number of quality teams probably in the past decade. So I'm going to go with that answer instead of health. I think that's fair. I, I, 
it's much more likely that the Grizzlies miss the playoffs entirely than they make the one through six that we were talking about earlier. Them being an 11 or 12 seed, because I think most of us here, all th- I, I Brandon, I'm not entirely sure, and you can chime in here in a moment. I think we all agree that the play-in is a general goal, right? If you're in that nine seed, 10 seed, I have them as the 10 seed. If you're in that mix, you have a chance to get in the play-in just like they did last year. And again, even though they're technically a seed worse if they're the 10 seed, I think they can still play better basketball than they did last year and be in that spot. Again, everybody talks about that progress not necessarily being linear, and I think that's a fair point to make. Uh, But it really is something to look at when it comes to the West, when it comes to the league in general. The incentive to tank is not nearly as high as it was in the past. And I think it was Seth Partnow who tweeted out that he had a a team, an anonymous team uh, member or a team representative, executive, whatever, uh, tell him that it's kind of a stealthy tank year because you don't have, you know, lower ticket sales or anything like that. Like you don't risk losing that money because you're tanking. But at the same time, the the benefit of tanking in terms of the percentages in the lottery, that doesn't exist as much as it once did. And that's partially why John Morant is in Memphis in the first place. The Grizzlies moved up uh, borderline miraculously uh, to get to that number two pick in the 2019 NBA draft. And that is the, the luckiest thing that happened to them. Um, so before we move on, Brandon, I do want to give you a chance to chime in. I know Parker and I have talked to the play-in is realistic in terms of a goal. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that we're even shooting for the moon a little bit talking about them being the nine or 10 seed? No, I mean, I'm with y'all completely. I think the goal should be to kind of be a part of the play in tournament again. Um, You know, I mean, obviously the team, you know, they're talking just straight playoffs, but, you know, I think from our perspective and from the fan expectation in general should be, you know, kind of to be in, you know, that, nine or 10 spot um, or, you know, even if they're kind of stuck at 11 most of the year, but, you know, just a couple of games back from being in the play. And I think that'd be considered a success just, you know, being right there with those teams at the play in um, because, you know, if you really kind of look at the teams past, you know, you know, theoretically beneath them, I mean, I think the Kings and Thunder are going to be terrible. Um, the Timberwolves, are supposed to be good, but, you know, we saw the Grizzlies completely wreck them in Minnesota. You never know what you're going to get with the Spurs. And then, you know, the other teams ahead of them, y'all talked about earlier, you know, as Parker said, if the West is as advertised, they're probably right at that 10-11 range. So, um, you know, I think it's a reasonable goal. It's, uh, you know, not shooting too high, but it's also not settling for something too low. Um, That's kind of where I have them at going into the year. Question number three for you, Brandon. And again, we're talking with Brandon Abraham, fellow associate editor with Parker over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, my, my two right-hand men essentially joining me on this episode of GBB Live. Uh, Parker already very definitively answered this, and I know people that are listening to this can't see. On the call right now, Parker's name is Dylan Brooks' most improved player uh, as, uh, as we do this teleconference here. Uh, so I know the answer from Parker. And I am. I do need to say that uh, Mike Wallace, over at uh, at uh, my mic check, my mic check, excuse me, on Twitter, uh, really did an interesting job talking to Dylan and getting him to admit essentially 
that he was too aggressive in the bubble as a scorer. He needed to look to be more of a facilitator and creator off the dribble, which is fascinating because he hadn't been that forthright. He had kind of alluded to it, but directly saying that he shouldn't have done it in the bubble was impressive to me. Uh, Question number three, what's more likely to you, Brandon? Is Dylan Brooks averaging four plus assists per game more likely or Jaron Jackson Jr. once he returns from injury averaging eight or more rebounds per game? To me, this is pretty easy. Um, it makes it a lot easier with, you know, Dylan's quotes um, and his pregame media availability and just the way he's looked in the preseason. Um, but Dylan averaging four-plus assists just seems much more likely, um, mostly because he seems to have, you know, acknowledged his faults. Um, you know, he really kind of seems to have matured quite a bit over the offseason, has, you know, in his quotes today, held himself accountable. And even if he's still mostly a gunner, the Grizzlies system, you know, is kind of set up more for him to succeed with having assists than for Jaron to average eight rebounds. It's not that Jaron can't average a ton of rebounds per game, but, you know, to me it's kind of like the Mark gasol Zebo effect. Mark had low rebounding numbers because Zebo grabbed, you know, every single board available. And I think that's kind of the same with Jaron and Jonas. Jonas grabs a ton of boards. You know, Jaron spends a lot of time out, you know, on the three-point line, especially on offense, shooting the ball. You know, so it's the system certainly makes it a pretty easy decision for me to see Dylan Brooks averaging four-plus assists per game. I agree. It fits his game. It fits his style. We have to understand that Jaron Jackson Jr., even though he looks like a big, he is not asked to do the same traditional big man things that Jonas Valanciunas is asked to do. His style of play is much more conducive to that of a perimeter player at this stage than it is a back-to-the-basket, uh, post-down-low type of player like Valanciunas is. So I agree completely. I think it's Dylan Brooks as well. And, you know, people get mad every time they hear about a seven-footer not grabbing eight or more rebounds a game. I'm with Parker on, on this particular aspect of positionless basketball. Uh, I believe defensive rebounding in particular, shout-out to Mike Prada should be a team stat moving forward. I don't care how many rebounds Jaron Jackson Jr. grabs. I don't care how tall he is. You have DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks as well. You have Justice Winslow once he's healthy. There are multiple wings that can help replicate what your big man, in air quotes, should have done as a rebounder. As long as it gets done, who cares who individually does it? Parker Fleming, number four. What is more likely? To me, this is the best question of all six. I was proud of myself on this one. What is more likely, John Morant making the All-Star team or Justice Winslow playing over 40 games out of a 72-game season for Memphis this year? Ooh, that's tough. That's really I think they're really both tough. exactly the same. Like I could see both of those things happening. I could see both of those things not happening. Yeah, I, I would probably say the same thing. And also, I, I'll probably lean towards Winslow not because I think it's unlikely John Morant makes the all-star team. I think it's very likely given the landscape of the Western Conference. Honestly, we don't – I mean, we can go ahead and kind of sharpie in Luca and Steph if they're healthy just because of the vote getting there. But, I mean, you have Jamal Murray who's going to take a step. You have Damian Lillard. You have – I mean, you have James Harden still there, but who knows what's going to happen with him and his status – in the Western Conference because I think he's going to get traded. It's an absolute fire over there. So, I mean, I still think Jaw can still get it, 
But the thing with Winslow is it's nothing like Chandler Parsons where it's like one specific thing of like, oh, he has knee problems. He's just been having like these like freak injuries. He's had like a, what, like a shoulder issue, a hip issue, a knee issue, a foot issue. It's not like one particular issue has been following him his entire career. Granted, we could be absolutely wrong and he can end up playing, you know, like under 20 games like he has in his main two injury riddled seasons. But it's fair to say that 40 is a very low threshold, even when you're taking out 10 games. Yeah, I agree completely. I think Justice, and you heard Kleiman say it in that media availability, and I tweeted it from the main account at SBN Grizzlies. Kleiman specifically said Justice Winslow in the same breath of the core that they've already established with John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark. Now, in fairness to Kleiman, he said he hopes that Justice can take that leap. But their plan is clearly that they want him to take that leap. So he's going to get every opportunity, whether he's a starter, a key reserve like Brandon Clark, whatever it might be, he's going to get a shot and he's going to play. And I think that they're going to be cautious as they have been with every injury. I think Jaw is going to be right in that all-star mix. But once Winslow is back, I do think they'll do some load management stuff, maybe a few back-to-backs he won't play in. But I think he's going to clear that 40-game bar I agree with you pretty easily. Three of the five NBA seasons that Justice Winslow has played in to this point, he's played a vast majority more than 50% of the games. So it's percentage-wise more likely that Winslow gets in uh, those games rather than Ja makes the all-star team. Of course, there is no all-star game this year given COVID and the pandemic. This is a good place for us to take a break. When we come back, Brandon Abraham, uh, Parker Fleming, and myself – We have two questions left from our roundtable series that's up live over at grizzlybearblues.com, and we'll also tackle the final piece, the North Star that uh, that Zach Kleiman talked about in Tuesday's media availability. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Monax. I am joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming, and our guest for this episode as we preview the season, another terrific associate editor over at GBB. Mr. Hustle himself, Brandon Abraham. Give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already do so, at BC Abraham. Brandon, we'll bring you back in on this question from our roundtable series over at GBB. What are realistic expectations for Kyle Anderson, Grayson Allen, and DeAnthony Melton as they fill in for Justice Winslow and Jaron Jackson Jr.? Because those last two guys, Winslow and Jackson Jr., are clearly better players than those three others. What is realistic? They're not going to be able to fully replace But if we're trying to be sound of mind when we look at analyzing how Grayson, DeAnthony, and Kyle play over these next few weeks, what should be the the standard? What should be the way that we take a look at that? So it's really interesting to see kind of what Taylor Jenkins will do with Justice and Jaron out, especially with, you know, Kyle, Grayson, and DeAnthony. Um, you know, you can almost even throw in Dylan there, you know, even though he's already a starter. But uh, I would almost say that the easy answer is to have Kyle be, you know, maybe a poor man's version of justice or what we envision justice being, you know, solid defense, able to kind of really play the one through four with a little bit of small ball five if necessary, um, you know, timely shot making, especially if his 
the three-point percentages from the preseason translate to the regular season. Um, and, you know, secondary facilitating, um, you know, maybe a little bit of, like, emergency point guard duties. Um, so that's kind of my quick answer for how to, you know, replace Justice Winslow. And I think the biggest thing for Grayson and DeAnthony to kind of, you know, fill in for Jaron would be to shoot lights out from beyond the arc. Um, Grayson's, you know, clearly a pretty solid shooter. Um, DeAnthony um, does more defensively and, you know, has a major impact there. But his preseason shooting numbers were pretty good as well, especially on a catch-and-shoot three. So I think kind of the key areas of growth for these players would be for Kyle to kind of just do a little bit of everything and then for Grayson and DeAnthony to kind of just, you know, be the three-point threat that Jaron is on the offensive end. Place a unicorn. You're not going to replace a versatile player like Winslow. You try to replicate in the aggregate. I talk about a, that line from Moneyball with Brad Pitt and and Jonah Hill and all those uh, the the Oakland A's. Billy Bean. You know, you're not going to replace Giambi, right? You can't replace Giambi. How do you replicate in the aggregate? And that's going to be the job of Allen Anderson and Melton over these next few weeks. Hopefully, Winslow's back. In the next two weeks or so, it sounds like Jaron is going to be a little bit longer-term absence. Uh, final question from the roundtable over at grizzlybearblues.com. It's a two-parter. Make sure you're checking it out if you haven't already done so, Parker. What is the absolute most that you'd like to see Memphis be willing to part with in any realistic trade, in quotes there, and who would, be, who would you be willing, excuse me, to give up that package for? Um, I'm going to be... So I'm at, I have the post up right now. Just going by the names, I see names like uh, Zach Levine, and uh, I actually don't see Buddy Heald. I thought Buddy Heald would have made made the made the cut there, but mainly one but, person might have said Buddy Heald. But you're right, not nearly as popular a name as you would have thought. No. Oh yeah, I do see a Buddy Heald in there, but I think with Heald, they'll see how Halliburton looks, and also too, I think with Levine, that new regime is going to give it a full season instead of just half a season because. With a talent like Levine, you take every chance you get to look at him. You don't give him, what, 30-something games to see how he fits and what you want to do. I don't – here's my take. Here's my take with this. I don't think they make a trade this season, but I think you can see them use some cap space next offseason. I'm not going to say – I'm used to saying summer, but we don't know when the offseason is going to be. I think they will make a trade using the cap space that they have this off season because the Grizzlies have a plethora of expiring contracts that have hefty salaries, including uh, Jonas Valanciunas has seven, I think it's like 14 million and Kyle Anderson around eight ties Jones around eight and Grayson Allen at four. I think that's when you're going to see the trade. And I, I could see it being for a Levine or a healed, but what I want to see them do is instead of doing that, I want to see them trade up in the draft from that like teen spot that I expect them to be in to more of like the back half of the top 10 and utilizing that jazz pick and maybe an expiring contract to do so. That would make a ton of sense. I think that it's going to be more difficult to do that in this draft because there's so much more value early on. Uh, But there's a lot of wings, a lot of talent there that I think Memphis is definitely going to be interested in, but so will half of the NBA. So I think you're on to something there. I could definitely see, I believe I wrote about a similar concept of things go backwards for Memphis. You know, that Eric Gordon contract might be one of the worst ones in the NBA. 
if the Grizzlies aren't going to utilize the cap space anyway, which is certainly possible given the fact that OG Ananobi, uh, Derek White, you know, there are multiple names that are off the restricted free agency market now. And if those guys are making the money they did, the Duncan Robinsons of the world might be outside of the Memphis price range too. Uh, maybe it makes sense to bring in a Gordon again, not a good contract, but if Houston's willing to pay you another first round pick to take on that money or even additional de- draft compensation on top of that, it might be worth working into if the season goes sideways. And again, Gorgie Jang's expiring for Gordon and a first that that could be the price of doing business. If you're Houston, if they move on from James Harden or something like that, but we're, we're a ways away from that. Keep an eye on Evan Fournier as well, who would maybe make sense uh, in that mix as an expiring contract that Memphis wouldn't have to give too much up if they hey, want to hey, be Joe. a little more competitive. Um, hey, you know? Yeah. Can I give a quick take on the Eric Gordon deal? It's kind sure. of a, a hot take. Hot take. I, I think for the duration of Eric Gordon's contract, especially considering like seasons 2021, 2022, I don't think he'll be better than Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain. Probably not. And, and I do think that that is something that you would have to take into consideration. Again, the money is not great there. Uh, it would probably take even more than a first to take on that contract. But if they're in asset accumulation mode, more so than they thought they'd be, that's an option. And again, that might be too many years. I'm willing to acknowledge that. I'm not married to the idea. Uh, it just could be a, a moment that they could take advantage of. We're finishing up here on this episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm Joe Mullinax, joined by Brandon Abraham and Parker Fleming, my co-host Parker, as we preview the season. We just ran down the six questions from our roundtable series that's up. I answered all six of the questions there. You can read the responses there. Uh, You can also check out uh, Parker's responses in part one. Part two went live on Wednesday leading up to the season opener. And speaking of that season opener, they're playing the Spurs, a traditional opponent, a traditional uh, rival of the Memphis Grizzlies. And this is the 20th year of the Grizzlies being in Memphis. With that idea in mind, Zachary Kleiman talked with the media yesterday on Tuesday, as we record this on Wednesday, and talked about the North Star of the organization being championship contention. And and that motivated me to write our season preview in a different way than I have in the past. I didn't give a record prediction. I didn't project the seed that the Grizzlies will make. I think they'll be 10th. I did that for the mothership, the SB Nation uh, main site preview. I didn't do that at GBB. My prediction was that their goal this season is to answer the question, who is going to be standing next to Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant when this team is expected to play for championships, because that is going to be the expectation. Kleiman made that very clear. They're not there yet, but this is probably the last season where they can go into it free of being expected to make the playoffs, and then obviously further down the road free of championship dreams. Uh, and that North Star remains the focus. So, Brandon, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, I'll I'll quote myself, I guess, here at the end of the article. I say. Uh, Let me pull it back up here real quick. I thought it had uh, when the fire and emotion of believe Memphis, the growl towels, you know, all that stuff returns, who will be here to ensure that this next generation of the Grizzlies is the greatest ever because it's Grizz next gen. That's their tagline. They talked about today, Dylan Brooks studying the pyramid era of Pau Gasol and Posey and all those guys. Then you have grit and grind, which Dylan was a part of the very tail end of 
in order for this next generation of the Memphis Grizzlies to be the greatest one in the history of the franchise, entering their next 20 years, hopefully, in the city, what do you need to see from the likes of a Dylan Brooks, a DeAnthony Melton, a Kyle Anderson? How do these guys separate themselves and say the core is already here and prove to Kleiman that these trades for Bradley Beal or Buddy Heald or you know all these ideas that we kick around, they're not necessary. They just need to continue to focus internally because Kleiman said it himself. Year one was asset accumulation. Right now they're trying to figure out exactly what the hell they have. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, it'd be fun to kind of almost look back at this question at the end of the year um, to kind of see what we say and then see what we think at, you know, at the end of the year. Um, because, you know, the Grizzlies have a good bit of depth, you know, for, you know, a team in their kind of projected place in the standings. Um, I don't see a world where all of DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, and John Conchar are all on the roster as the Grizzlies, you know, are pushing for an NBA Finals, you know, high seed in the playoffs, et cetera. Um, there's just too many guys there. Um, you know, so I, I personally think it's going to be hard to go without a trade. Um, you know, kind of looking at specific players, DeAnthony Melton's going to need to, you know, really improve upon his secondary playmaking, in my opinion, and, you know, see if his if he can get more of a solid three-point shot instead of it just being off catch and shoot. Dylan, um, pretty easy there. Um, don't foul. Don't be too much of a ball hog. You know, pass the ball. You know, Bain, I'm really just excited to see. I don't really have many complaints right now. He's, you know, obviously got only a few games under his belt. Um, John Conchar strikes me as kind of a guy that, you know, could be used in like a small trade down the line or just as a, you know, guy that you can rely on to come in and play a few minutes off the end of the bench and, you know, just not do anything terrible for you. Um, not sure if Justice will be here. He needs to prove he can stay healthy. Not sure about Kyle just because, you know, people talk about his fit. I think he actually fits in pretty well because he does so many small things. But if Justice, you know, plays well, you don't really need both Kyle and Justice. Um, and I guess, I don't know if this is my hot take with it or not, but I love Jonas Valanciunas. I hope he's here for the, you know, big run. Um, probably, preferably, as kind of like a bully off the bench um, by the time, you know, Jaren's able to take over full duties at the five. But I wouldn't hate keeping Jonas around just because, you know, Jaren's had some knee issues, and if he plays more at the five, you know, it worries me a little bit. So I, I guess the hot take with it would be that I, I think Jonas is still with the team when they – make a big run or at least a big like Jonas who can kind of, you know, take care of the things Jaron struggles at. And I don't think that Jonas is so prideful that if Jaron over the next couple of years puts himself in a place where he can start at the five and Brandon Clark being the starting four makes more sense. Uh, who knows how that'll work out. That's part of the point of the question. I don't think Jonas Valanciunas would balk at moving to the bench as a sixth man reserve, go be the bully against reserve bigs. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I could see him making that transition more easily, perhaps, than others would in a similar spot. Uh, Parker, we'll get you out of here on a similar question. Again, to me, if they go 10 and 62, that's a nightmare, right? That's a disaster. You don't want that to happen. But 
barring a catastrophe, there is no outcome record-wise that truly matters to me. I want to be able to sit here talking with you guys six months from now saying, I know players A, B, and C should be standing next to John Jaron when the playoffs come and the championship pushes begin. And I know players D, E, and F need to be part of a trade package to bring in another guy that can help those five that we just mentioned. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think this year, I think uh, Zach Kleiman mentioned it in his availability yesterday. It's about growth and just seeing what they have with the pieces they have instead of the asset accumulation that they did this past season. And I think really bearing a catastrophe of going like 10 and 62 or losing a young player to a season-ending injury that actually has ripple effects for the future, kind of see something similar to like a Derrick Rose in Chicago or something along or a Greg Oden in Portland or something along those lines. But I really think just a thing that would alarm me this season would just be more of not seeing enough internal development from guys like Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, and even Jaron Jackson Jr. I'll start with like Clark real quick. I mean, obviously he's super efficient and you could argue that his efficiency benefited from beating up on second unit big men. But this season I kind of want to see is he more on this trajectory to being, you know, like a Sean Marion that people alluded to, or maybe even like a a Montrez Harrell, or is he on a trajectory to be like a, a Jamichael Green or a Darrell Arthur, to put it in Grizzly terms? And with Melton, his impact is unbelievable. But for Grizzly fans in particular, you kind of want to see the jump shot and seeing, okay, can he? what happens to his game and his ceiling if he becomes like a 35% three-point shooter? He He's a guy that who he can realistically start next to John Morant on the next great Grizzlies team, if that shot is falling and the impact stays. I know people will argue size. I think their wingspan kind of makes up for it. Jaw has a 6'7 wingspan while Melton's at like 6'8. So that that's going to be something to monitor too. And the reason why I throw in Jaron Jackson Jr. in there is we did see a jump last year with his three-point efficiency and how he was working off the dribble. And you kind of want to see him expand that a little bit and seeing what he can do is more of a on-ball creator we saw his handles and stuff and his potential in the bubble but can he utilize that game off the bounce to maybe create opportunities in the mid-range where he's going to be able to rise up over anybody for a jumper or will he be able to make some live dribble reads to hit guys in the corner for threes and I mean more importantly you do kind of want to see Grant I think it's nitpicky because I think you alluded to it before Joe why not be focused on what he does well instead of what he needs to work on? But you do want to see how he improves as a rebounder and fouler. More importantly, you just wish that he stays healthy. And I think I alluded to this in our uh, GBB roundtable. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does this year, especially with the fact that he can sign a contract extension before the 2021-2022 season. So many storylines to watch, so many things to keep an eye out for. But again, record, win, lose, or draw, more important than anything for at least one last season, one more year, how these guys develop alongside each other, who fits best next to the two hopeful uh, cornerstones of the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., is what we need to keep our focus on, our eye on the prize. 
Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. It's appreciated. Obviously, we'll have you back on down the road. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for Brandon, for Parker, I'm Joe. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the start of the season. The Podcast Network is back to having four shows a week, so we will be back on your podcast feeds next week. Until next time, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.